Tutu Trapesters and Twinkly Toes. Elongate your leg warmers. Bounce a bounding barrel jump. And look to your right. Now look to your left. Neither of those two girls will be good enough for my class, and neither will you. Now get out and talk tall to me. How dare you talk tall to me in front of me. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are the dancing dynamic duo Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A promenade in the mirrored studio of prog rock in which natural Nick and open position Omen will flounce our way through every eight count of music that on-point rock band Jethro Tull has ever beaten out. We will work through all the positions in our Martin Bar class, perform with poise a David Pegg pretzel rap, and we will develop a the Doan Perry diagonal dig. And if we keep our buttocks firm and our legs straight, we may finally attract the attention of the shimmying Scotsman, the flute-flourishing foxtrotter, the step-ball changeling of sky, Ian <laughs> Arabesque Anderson. You know, when I little peek into our past here, when I first met you, you were definitely not in the open position, but over the years... I've opened up. You've opened up in your position. Like a lotus blooming yeah. in a sea. Nick, welcome welcome back. Hello, Omen. Thank you. Our listeners will detect no break because of the weekly drop that you have so cleverly managed to continue. But uh, in fact, we've had a little bit of a delay or a little, a little pause in our recording cycle. It's been a, about two weeks, almost three, I think. Yeah. And the reason for that is, is that you have some shiny new digs. I do. On December 26th, we moved to a lovely house on about eight acres of land in Moravia, New York. And uh, I've got a enormous studio i'll do i'll post a video on youtube of like a tour of the studio if it hasn't gone up by the time you hear this it'll be shortly after i i I assure you but but it's uh it's it's a great new space i'm super happy to be here your aura seems expanded oh that's just i'm gassy that's oh i'm sorry sorry to mention that (laughs) are you up is your studio now upstairs you've moved up out of the basement it is yeah it's out of the it's out of the basement room that was used for a hot tub and it's now upstairs in a in a great big uh, kind of bedroom studio that was also used for a hot tub uh oddly enough yes the whole the whole room was the hot tub i forgot that the basement was the hot tub room yeah and i remember now why i forgot that probably because you only you were only there once or twice after the fact you know you didn't help me <laughs> jigsaw apart the 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 hot tub that was in there and then pull it out yeah, you saw it after it was... Basement Hot Tub was the name of my punk group in high school. Yeah, it was... I mean, it was great. I went to all of the shows. You went to all of the show. I threw my panties. So speaking of throwing panties, Nick, we have an amazing opportunity today to actually talk tall about a song by progressive rock band Jethro Tull. An, an amazing opportunity that no one has ever had before. That we haven't had 300 times previous to this. Yeah, let me hang. I want to see what what episode this is. What is this? She said she wasn't. We we have had two hundred and nine chances, and we're gonna finally take that take take that opportunity today to talk tall to you. And that song in question is, she said she was a dancer. Ooh, boy. Oh, get on your leg warmers, lay down a tarp. <laughs> Shall we have a listen? Uh yes. Let us listen to all. Oh, this isn't a long one. This is another one of those where I always think this Me one too. is like eight minutes long. It's not. It's like three and a half minutes. Yeah, let's listen to all three and a half minutes of She Said She Was a Dancer. Nick. She said she was a dancer. And I, I believed her, if I'm honest. I, I genuinely did believe her. No, it's, your, it's up to you. It's your, it's, it's your business. It's my business. Yeah. yeah. And Nick, what, 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 is this, 
what is this song? This is so... <laughs> so as you pointed out, this is one of those ones that, that that when we were thinking about this album, we're like, oh yeah, she said she was a dancer, one of those 11-minute long songs. Not the case. It's a short It's a short little ditty. Yeah. But why does it feel longer? I don't know. I guess it's the pacing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's sultry. It really like slowly moves you into it and keeps you moving with it. There's nothing terribly final about it or finite. Mm. It, there's, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end, you know, in a, in a completely good way. I'm not, it's not a complaint at all. I, I adore the song. I agree. It has a sense of expansiveness. It has a sense of, of relaxed that it could extend. It feels like a moment that could extend very far. Yeah, right. It could it could keep going, and you you kind of much like in the three and a half minutes that it is. I think you could lose track of that time, you know. And by the time you're like, oh wow, that was that was nine minutes, and I have a full beard now for some reason. My my children are old men. <laughs> it's the Rip Van Winkle of of uh, of, of, Saul of Saul songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now a lot of people have made the comparison with this album, with Crest of a Knave, that this is the Dire Straits-sounding album of Tull. Yes. People have made that comparison a lot. And I don't agree necessarily across the board. I think that not all... I don't think this album sounds like Dire Straits. However, I do think with this song... Yeah. I understand where that comparison comes from. It's it's the direst of straits, this song <laughs> is. <laughs> it's The straits are dire... And I think that there are two elements which make that feeling occur in our brains, one of which is Martin's guitar, which especially with that opening cadenza intro, where he's not really, he's sort of just playing in his own pacing, it's not really tied to anything. That feels very Mark Knopfler. And then this, mm-hmm. Ian's voice in this song has that very kind of half-sung feeling to it, the conversational yeah. feeling that Mark Knopfler is able to, to achieve with his work. Exactly. I'm gonna sing like this. There's a little bit of a melody, but not quite really. She said she was a dancer. If I believed it, it was my business. Yeah, it's it's there and it kind of it's kind of loosey goosey with the time signature. Like it's there and it flows. My love is like a storybook story. My love is like a storybook story. But it's as real as the feelings I feel. You know that song? I think so, yeah. It's from Princess Bride. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's as real as the feelings I feel. It's probably too (laughs) sung, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I got confused, is because you sang it too much. That was a bad example of a Mark Knopfler song. Yes, there are better ones, like like all of the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) I love his compositional work on The Princess Bride. Yeah, it's good, it's good. Yeah, I don't like The Princess Bride, but I do like the music. Shut up, what are you talking about? I know, it's just... What's wrong with you? I never saw it as a kid, so when I finally saw it in college, it just didn't do anything for me. You should watch it again and change your opinion. Oh, actually, I could watch it with Rook. Yeah, I bet he yeah. would like it. Yeah. yeah, Jesus. Jesus, Nick. What kind of a parent are you? <laughs> One thing I want to point out about this song is the incredible acoustic bass work that happens in the intro. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before you go ahead, you said the the opening was a cadenza, like Martin's cadenza. Mm. For those of us musically impaired, I I just I wanted to define cadenza. Oh, do you want to define cadenza, or do you want me to define cadenza for you? You define it, and I will confirm with Wikipedia with my friend Wiki. Ooh, I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> so a cadenza is usually a moment in a piece of music where a solo player or a first a a featured player a a featured player can choose their own pacing it's usually when the conductor stops conducting so that that player can 
take a moment and make the pacing that they want. They're not strictly tied to the firm beat. Right. And then when they reach the end of that, then the whole orchestra comes back in and it's back to everyone. Yeah, they can kind of expound on the themes and the sounds that have been built. It's like it's like a solo opportunity, basically. It's a solo opportunity, yeah. Yeah. And it often it's it, it's written out on the page, but it might be improvised on a little bit. Right, sure. Perfect. Famously used in the film Hook when Captain Hook shoots a sailor. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's... um. That's in the Peter Pan animated Disney version where Captain Hook, they're, they're singing a song and Hook shoots one of the people who's in the middle of singing and Smee says, oh, right in the middle of his cadenza. But live every minute for all that is in it. The life of a pirate is short. Now let me see. Where was I? Oh, dear, 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 Kaepernick. Shooting a man in the middle of his cadenza? <laughs> it ain't good form, you know. Captain Hook definitely doesn't sing any songs in Hook. God, I, that is one of my favorite movies. That movie is so good. Oh, to tie Hook into Prague Rock. Please. There's a Phil Collins cameo in there. Is there really? Yep, he is the police sergeant who shows up when the kids get whisked away to Neverland. He's the police sergeant that is at the at the house with Maggie Smith and Robin Williams. Why? Yep. I, it's bizarre. Glenn Close is also in there as the pirate who gets put in the boo box. She's got a beard and everything. What? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So bizarre. Oh, say it. Say it. I did. Yes, you made a boo-boo. I did. Mm. The boo box. The boo box. Yeah, that movie is so good. Back to the song at hand. Yes, Hook. No, uh, she said she was a. She said she was a pirate, and I believed her. Jerry Conway is the drummer for this track. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. And doing some lovely work. You can mm-hmm. very much tell that it is not a programmed drum machine. Yeah. I think the symbols always the giveaway. It has a human touch to it. She said she was a dancer. If I believed it, it was my business. And I, I think there's, I, th- I think it's usually the snare where you can hear, like the snare has a very specific sound when it's electric. Yeah. You at, know? At this era, at least. Yeah. You know, we're moving into a time period, Nick, in, in our human existence where there are now pop stars and, in fact, whole bands that are completely computer generated. There are AI Korean pop groups. K K A I A I K pop. <laughs> yes, there are AI K pop groups, and I and I think there are some Japanese singer stars who don't exist. Oh, that's so crazy. They're they're AI generated. It makes all the sense in the world, but it's it feels a little Black Mirror dystopian still. It makes sense you know? from the point of view of a producer because you don't have to worry about them getting old. You don't have to worry about them falling in love with the wrong person, doing drugs. I mean, right. And you you set the computer and it gets it right the first time. Every you know, if you time. know how to program it, you're you're golden. But listening to this track, it makes me a little bit nostalgic for a time when the only way you could make music was well. I mean, fascinating that we're in this listening listening to this album. We're in the era really between full human capacity of making music, full full yeah. everything being fully human, and now we're kind of just getting the first hints of what a digital existence looks like. But this track is fully human. I'm not sure. Is there not synth in this? Oh. I thought there was synth. I was told there was synth at this I was told I was I'm here for the synth. There is 100% synth in this song, Nick, contrary right. to popular opinion. And I would 
love nothing more than if they had done instead of synth done accordion i think it would have worked really well in here i think it would have been really beautiful when you go to the afterlife nick it will be mm-hmm. a field of accordions the 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 accordion fields <laughs> yes yes <laughs> You will have 1,000 arms, and you will know how to play the accordion. Yep. Wonderful. That's your reward. Wonderful, wonderful. And the uh, bass, is that stand-up? Yes, that it's stand-up an acoustic bass? bass, yes. Yeah, it's very nice. You can tell by the way that the strings vibrate. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You can kind of hear the slap of the string against the, the neck. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. It's very satisfying. It's very, very satisfying. It's such a unique sound for the bass and they don't do it terribly often but when they do it's it's such a treat it's so pleasant in terms of composition in terms of time signature this is a pretty straightforward song it is in a common time it's in four four or two two and the the most complicated that we get with it is that there's a little bit of a key shift between uh why not share it and when the nights are cold and Hey Moscow, what's your story? Share it when the nights are cold. Hey Moscow, what's your story? It's a very little one though, right? Like it's not, it's barely noticeable. I think I noticed it in my heart, but it never like really triggered. But now that you mention it, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that is a that is a key change. I think it's maybe even more of a mode change than a key change. Okay. And please don't ask me to define what that means because I have only a very tenuous grip on those terms. It's a solo. It's when a, it's when a, a it's when a performer is allowed to do a solo. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Now you said that it's not particularly definitive in terms of the ending, or you said something like that. It kind of yeah. It. it I mean, there it ends. But it's not like it ramps down. It's not like it... It doesn't prepare us for that ending. It doesn't. You know, it, it just keeps that pace going until it's... Until, you know, it's it's done. It feels like it should go into the next chorus, but it just... With three beats in a four-beat measure, it's gone. Ba-da-bum, two, three, out. Yeah. So I took myself to bed. And it, it works with the it works going into the next song, Dogs in Midwinter. It, yes, it does. It doesn't flow seamlessly. So I took myself to bed. I think we had a not too long ago, we had another song that that when it ended Oh it was on the Christmas album that we the the episode that just dropped. One of the Christmas songs ends, and you always have that anticipation of, I can't wait for that next song because there's not enough closure with that one. So it keeps you going. Yeah, this album is quite clever with that. The way that Waking Edge bleeds into Raising Steam mm. is really exciting. Now the sheets are cold beside me. I am so excited about For When We Get to Raising Steam. I love that song. It's really good. It's really, really good. And to note, she said she was a dancer is the fourth off of side A. The final track off of side A is Dogs in Midwinter. So it, it leads us into that. That It's nice and slow. It goes into that final track, and Dogs in Midwinter uh, does pick back up pace-wise. Yep. And it, it kind of culminates and gives us that closure that we want. Anything else to say about the music here, Nick? No flute. No flute. Yeah, no, that's good for me. Everything else I've got is contextual and lyrical. Why don't we step over here to the icy foot bath and take a quick break? Ooh, ooh, frigid. Ooh, ah, ooh, my 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 toes, my toes are ice cubes already. It's, it's um, it's good for you. It leaches the toxins, right? Is that what they say? It 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 takes away the the stress. <laughs> it. 
I, I feel pretty stressed at how cold my feet are, but I, I believe you. I believe no, you. No, no, it's it's going to help with inflammation. Oh, great. So, Nick, while we're while we're soaking ourselves, mm-hmm. what do we have to talk about here? Well, we've got some correspondences here. We've got ourselves a review that you will be reading. Uh, I have a new writer inner email what? that I will be reading. Yeah, very exciting. But before we get there, Nick, I was chilling this five-star review. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Dripping with with slush, fresh from the fields. I don't know. I got nothing. I always keep my five-star reviews in ice because they they taste smoother that way. Yeah, you don't want them to get skunky. That's right. Thick as a Ralph, a Patreon member, writes in a review entitled, Dear God, that's five more stars. Oh, and that is that is an homage to our, our review sting. Yes, it is. Which we haven't heard in a long time. I'll drop it in here. Sir, sensors have detected another star in the sky. Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Dear Feckless Momes, Despite my general disdain for Apple, and thus against every fiber of my being, this sweet and succulent listener has braved the milk-toast seas of Apple Podcasts to bring you five stars freshly plucked from the heavens. First, the review. As bold prospectors in the vast and ever-promising field of Tolkiology, this pair of momes sans feck take on the most raw deposits of mind-melting lyrics and instrumentals that have ever been with the fury of the gods embedded deep within the crust of the earth for us to find by seminal prog rock band Jethro Tull. Every velvet mondegreen a geode, every portmanteau a precious stone, they will survey the bunker caverns, take measurements of the levels of D's strings in the great underground lakes, and find a way to extract the Martin Motherlode. And, if they're really, really lucky, they may even lay claim to the fabled Andersonian Arkenstone. True tall aficionados, the humble and reverent, while ever whimsical approach these fellows have to the work of Jethro Tull is very palatable to this 25-year-long fan. They have developed a great rhythm and do a fine job shining light onto the obscurities of this band. Their quirky humor is a great reflection of that of the band. Their engagement with the greater community of fans and the sub-community that they have created serves the Tall fandom well. I look forward to a great many discussions to come. I started later, like so many, around the middle of the year. I binge listen frequently and at this point have caught up to the beginning of Stormwatch. What a great ride so far! Questions! Two questions you have posted on the podcast are ones I have answers to. I will leave the source finding to those interested. But to clear up two points, and apologies if these eventually got cleared up in later episodes, but I have held on to them for as long as I can stand it. <sighs> One. Is there a connection between Stephen King and Tull? And specifically, the Dark Tower set of novels? Is there a connection between Locomotive Breath and the AI runaway train in the story? Answer. Yes. Stephen King is a longtime Tull fan, and named the town visited by Roland Deschan in The Gunslinger after the band in their honor. The runaway train later in the story was partially inspired by and a nod to Locomotive Breath, as you were also suggesting. These are no coincidences. Also, the children's book, Charlie the Choo Choo, which is part of the story, was written by Stephen King under the pseudonym Burl Evans. I am also a big Stephen King fan, so finding out about this connection was very fun for me. Two! In the song A Time for Everything, there is a long note of feedback coming from Martin that seems like it may be intentional. Is it? Answer, yes. Completely intentional. It was not a mistake. And finally, for my jump start. The first place I listened to a Jethro Tull album, because I had heard their songs before on the radio without knowing who they were, came at age 16. I was with a friend of mine who was a fan at an old farmhouse that has since been restored and turned into an educational historic site. There was a turntable there and a bunch of records. 
Some older guys that did construction lived in the old dilapidated farmhouse with a huge iguana. <laughs> Twist. Anyway, my friend put on Aqualung for me and I was instantly hooked. I find it especially interesting that my real tall introduction happened in an old farmhouse when the namesake of the band revolutionized farming. Over the years, I found that Tull was a great soundtrack of one of my favorite pastimes, online fantasy gaming. Nice! For games like EverQuest and Diablo 2 and so many more, Tull provides an amazing background. Mm -hmm. I was not at all surprised to learn later in life that Tull is very popularly used as a background for tabletop games like D&D. &D. <laughs> Absolutely yes. I have seen Tull slash Ian Anderson Band live three times. Homo Erraticus, Jethro Tull Rock Opera, Jethro Tull 50th Anniversary Tours, and Martin Barr Band once. Diehard fan that can't wait until Ian and the guys return to the States. Keep doing what you're doing, my fine moans, and thanks again for all the laughs and heartfelt moments. And to the rest of you, check out the podcast and join the Patreon to join in the discussion on Discord. Your friend, Thick as a Ralph, TM. Goodness me. Thank you, Thick as a Ralph. I, in the course of reading that, have forgotten who and where I am. <laughs> but amazing to hear about your jumpstart. I, I would have loved to have heard more about how the iguana factored into things. Yes, please. Maybe it was named Ian Anderson. Also, it's a great name for an iguana. Maybe it was, it was, it was the bass player. The iguana was the bass player? It was a stand-in bass player for just a couple yeah. of tracks. Perfect, yeah. Special guest, Ian Anderson, parentheticals, iguana. Iguana. Thank you so much for the connection between Stephen King and Jethro Tull. That's a really, really cool tidbit. Didn't know that Stephen King was a Jethro Tull fan, but, you know, evidently a man of taste. Yeah, I think we, I think we dabbled with the idea during Locomotive Breath. I don't think we had any confirmation, so that's... That's great. That's that's awesome to have that as actual fact. And Raven loves Stephen King, so I can bring that to her and say, listen, you should like Tull. It's a gateway artist. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for that reading. Let's get into the email that I have. Brand new writer inner. The subject is greetings from Denmark. Oh, oh my gosh. Dear Nick and Omen. I've been a long-time listener of your Great Talk Tall to Me series. Extremely joyful, funny, insightful, and clever. Being only 53, I'm not old enough to have been a fan from the very beginning. However, in 1981 in February, shortly before my 12th birthday, Tull visited Denmark at Forum, one of the better indoor concert halls in Copenhagen. I got my first Tull record at the age of six, Stand Up. Played it to death on my transportable mono Philips turntable, and at 12 years of age, I was a die-hard fan, got all their LPs, etc. I live in Randers Jutland, four hours train ride from the capital where they played. My mom wouldn't let me go alone, so I did not go to the concert. This meant the young boy not talking to his mom for two weeks. <laughs> Many years later, 2008, their 40th anniversary tour, Tull visited Randers. I moved out long before, but my parents still lived there. So obviously, I invited my mom and dad to join me at the concert first row, middle seats. My parents had a wonderful evening. Of course, me too. Still to this day a diehard fan, and had the pleasure to see them six times in Denmark. Wow. A small curiosum, in Aalborg, where I live now, there is a concert hall where they get the big names to plant a tree, and a speaker that will play music of the artist who planted the tree. Oh. There is a Jethro Tull tree and music. What? He plops a link in the email, and I'll pop that into the into the show notes. That's the most European thing I have ever heard. <laughs> Thanks again, and Happy New Year to you and your family. Best regards, mit freundlichen Gruben, Medwinlinghilzen. Oh. Henrik. Thank you, Henrik. Henrik, tak fra os to i America. That means thank you from us in America. Does it actually mean that? It does. Oh. I looked it up. Oh, man. Well done. Thank you so much for writing into us. It's wonderful to have your Danish ears listening to our American mouths. And it's wonderful that 
Tal has given us the international gift of music, a space where we can all meet. I, I would love to know what kind of tree is planted that blares Jethro Tull out from its trunk. Ooh, yeah. What's the tall tree? Is it an an oak? Oh, it'd have to be an oak. Does it have mistletoe on it? It has toe missiles coming out of it. <laughs> pew pew! <laughs> Launches if you if you try to stop the track. If you get too close. Nick, anything else before we get back to the regular episode? That's it for me. That's it for me. Thank you, folks, for writing in. We encourage everyone to write it in, and we will be back. (sighs) I was holding my finger in the hole at the bottom of the tub. (sighs) Mary, you... How have you been surviving all this time? Breathing through a tube! The the lung capacity on Mary is is truly impressive. Like a a little whale. (laughs) Like a, a beluga. You didn't have to stay down there that whole time. We could just put some tape over it, Mary. I know what my job is! Okay. Well. All right. Well, why don't you go warm up and, and we'll uh, we'll go have some, some tea as well. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I'm sustained by the heat of my liver! <laughs> she really, really needs to be donated to science. When she eventually does die. Don't know when that's going to Oh, be. or before. Whenever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Nick, welcome back. I'm really excited to dive into the lyric section of this song. She said she was a dancer. Before we jump in, just real quick, I'm, I also have a She Said She Was a Dancer video that shows Ian in the studio picking up like some of the vocals and stuff. So I'm also going to put that into the, into the show notes. Oh, super fun. Yeah, very cool. Very cool video. So yes, let's, let us talk about this song. Omen, what, what do you get from this song? I mean, we obviously, yes, sexy, amazing, sultry. What goes beyond that for you? Well, for me, this is really a confluence of a, a song of desire and a song of a very peculiar song of romance and, and one that I love and relate to. Mm-hmm. But also what I love about this song is the setting. It is really a, mm. it is really an atmospheric piece in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Definitely. There are a number of songs on this album, but also in general with Tull, that seem to be true tales from tour life. Or possibly true tales from, partially true tales from tour life, or contextually inspired by. Right. Could be whether they actually happened or not. You, Ian's sitting there in a pub and he he gets the idea of it happening and, and how would it go down, basically. And this is a little bit of a window into the Cold War era. Hmm, yeah, absolutely. This is very overtly set in Russia. Yes. And we have a number of allusions to the divide between East and West at this time. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's all, it's all done with a typical Ian twist to it. One of my favorite lines is, she was the nearest thing to rock and roll that side of the velvet curtain that separates mm. eastern steel from western gold. She was the nearest thing to rock and roll that side of the velvet curtain that separates eastern steel from western gold. Oh my gosh, I mean an entire decade worth of politics in one line. Yeah. The Velvet Curtain is a fabulous play on the term the Iron Curtain, which right. was popularized by Winston Churchill at the end of the Second World War and was a, uh, a popular phrase in during the Cold War to talk about the division between Russia and the Soviet bloc and the West of Europe and the United States. There was an information barrier, a, a cultural barrier, a political barrier. I knew it was a play on on the Iron Curtain. I initially thought maybe there was some other reference, like something was actually called the Velvet Curtain at the time. I did too. I I just got a bunch of advertisements for Velvet Curtains (laughs) when I looked it up. (laughs) And maybe there is, you know, maybe there's something that has been lost to the winds of history. I think it's one of the typical things that Ian does lyrically where he will take a phrase that we're familiar with and change it just just enough to, to make you view it fresh. Right, and it also has it also imparts this idea that the Russians 
are quote unquote the bad guys, right? So so they they have this feeling of of separation and and ironness. They are they're foreign, they're cold, they're sharp. But this Russian woman is soft and supple. She's still separate from things. Uh-huh. But it feels good when you touch it. It's velvety, right? <laughs> and what's so brilliant about that is that it humanizes the conflict. Mm, it's like, oh yes, yeah. there's this iron curtain, but if you actually look at it, it's just made of velvet because we're all actually the same. And it also gives another element of literalness to the environment because often what you find in these touring houses and any event space, vel- literal velvet curtains are such a, a common sure. pipe and drape sets are used to divide up rooms, to, to make spaces for people to change in in the green room, you know, all that stuff. So I'm sure that there were lots of literal velvet curtains all around Ian when he was, when he was in the band, when they were touring. Yeah. And so the idea that like someone could step through that velvet curtain one way or the other. Right. It's such a loaded phrase and it can be applied to so much. Yeah. And then also wrapped up in that, you know, the closest thing to rock and roll we've talked about before on the podcast where the fact that in some parts of the, East, uh, the Eastern Bloc, things like rock and roll were banned. They weren't allowed to, you couldn't have a rock band. Sure. But there were, in this era, exceptions starting to be made for touring groups. Yes, right, right, right. Also, to piggyback on that, other things that were not allowed, the reference to I'm your Pepsi Cola, but you won't take me out of the can. Uh Uh-huh. I'm your Pepsi Cola, but you won't take me out of the can. They didn't allow American things in. Pepsi, blue jeans. Right, right. You know, right. things like that. So you won't take me out of the can. It feels very much like like I'm a novelty. You want to save it? You want to save me? You want to just look mm. at me? You don't want to do anything with me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, also very loaded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This I The reason I love this song is because there's so little that happens. Like, there's literally yes. almost no events in the mm-hmm. song, and yet it is such a deep, resonant moment. Yeah, there's. it's the six seconds where your mind just kind of goes from, from thing to thing to thing to thing. It's your train of thought when you see a beautiful woman in Russia, you know? As one does. As one does. Speaking of Russia, let's talk briefly about the samovar. Yes, yep, I've got that on here, yeah. Next to the bar, we hit the samovar. Next to the bar, we hit the samovar. So samovar is actually a device which is used throughout a lot of the world. It's a a heated tea dispenser. Yeah, it could also do coffee, I think. It can do coffee. Yeah, it's traditionally has a a coal fire underneath that boils the water. Right. Yeah. And and then it has little spigots that you can Mm -hmm. turn and either hot water or, or tea comes out. And you can gather around it because, you know, in the cold days of, of a Russian winter, it, it's a source of heat. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's the water fountain, you know? You know, like it's where people congregate to get their drink. They shoot the shit and they, in the process, they stay warm. Yes. In Persia, there's something similar, which even takes it a step further. In, in the mountains of Iran, the winters are extremely cold. And so there is a... A device which works in conjunction with the samovar, which is a low table that has a, a heated, uh, a lit coal fire in it, and then a big blanket or almost like a rug that stretches out from it. So what you do is you sit mm. with everyone in a circle around this little heated thing with a blanket over you. So all the heat is trapped inside. Oh, yeah. So you're sitting around cozily with your feet just nice and toasty. And then you're, you know, and then on top of that is the samovar where you get your hot tea. So it's, it's this convivial sharing warmth. Can imagine how that could be interpolated as being sensual or even sexy. Yeah. When you need warmth to stay alive, you know, you can, the idea of mortality can be a scary, sexy thing. And, and I always get a boner when thinking about my own mortality. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm getting so old. Whoa! Carpe this, baby. <laughs> and that brings us to another element of this song, perhaps the central element of this song. Before we get into the riddle of was she a dancer or not, right? I think that there is, perhaps this is a song of cultural misunderstanding. Yeah. So 
different cultures have different relationships with proximity, with touch. Mm -hmm. It is hard to forget as an American the first time you go to Europe and you greet someone of the opposite sex. And as a form of greeting, they kiss you on both cheeks. (laughs) And just the proximity that that necessitates is so shocking. Yeah. As an American, even if you know exactly what's happening. <laughs> you panic a little bit, You right? panic a little bit. You're like, wait a minute, am I, are we, uh, is the, am I your boyfriend now? Like, do I, do we have to get married now? Like, what, what just happened? And then after a while, you know, you kind of get used to it, but it can be upsetting in a confusing and nice way. Yeah. I wonder if that's changed in the past couple of years due to the pandemic. Oh, fascinating question. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Maybe it's just air kisses now. You can do the same thing from six feet away. You just don't cough when you're up there. That's all. You don't, as tradition dictates, cough directly into the other person's mouth. (laughs) And open and hold and cough. (laughs) And now we are friends. (laughs) But, you know, I wonder if there is a sense of, because I feel like what this song is really about is Ian's, or the singer's, let's say, desire for this woman who maybe or maybe isn't a dancer. Yeah. And the ambiguity of, is this a date? Is this not a date? What's happening here? Yeah. It feels very personal to me by reference of the of the dancer. Obviously, we know Ian has a thing for dancers. That's a theme in the writing of his music. Yeah. No, he doesn't personally. It just, it just happens to be there throughout. We're not saying that he has a personal thing for dancers. We're saying that he married a dancer and has a lot of songs about how sexy dancers are. Right. Yeah. Completely coincidental. And the line, am I just the closest thing to an English man? You know, it just feels feels very, you know, he's Scottish, really, but he's oh, like, that's maybe funny. that's maybe that's like an exotic thing is to, to be attracted to an English man. Oh, that would be very exotic. <laughs> or is the implication there that, oh, maybe you see me as your ticket out of here? Is this a... Oh, interesting. Is this a green card set up? Sure, sure, sure. Interesting, yeah. Was there historically a group of people who would hang out at the touring house hoping to score themselves a Western husband or wife in order to get out of the Eastern Bloc? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. But let's pull back for a minute, Nick, and I'm, I'm yeah. curious. There are a number of songs about dancers in the world. Correct. As I was delighted to discover... Elton John and Britney Spears just did an incredible remix of Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer. Ooh. Which I highly recommend you listen to on headphones in the dark. Why do we sexualize or romanticize dancers, Nick? There is something very sensual mm-hmm. about being in control of your body, being able to use your body in such a fluid manner. Dancers are inevitably in amazing shape and can do amazing things with that body, and that kind of sparks a, a, a carnal feeling yeah and that's and that's regardless of the shape of their body i mean we could have a whole podcast about (laughs) are people who practice ballet in the traditional way are they actually healthy physically oh yeah yeah fair enough but you know so saying someone is in shape is different from saying that they're necessarily healthy at the same time you know we have people like lizzo who are changing the perspective of what a fit body looks like and and operates. I mean, she's an, yeah. Lizzo is an athlete. If you haven't seen the series Lizzo's Big Girls, definitely mm. suggest you check it out. It's about her dance troupe. Oh my God. Oh, cool. They are athletes. But I agree. There's that element of like, oh, wow, you can, you have complete command over your body. That's very sexy. Yeah. And it's even referenced in this song. She said she was a dancer. If I believed it, it was my business. She surely knew a thing or two about control. She said she was a dancer. If I believed it, it was my business. She surely knew a thing or two about control. So whether or not she was a dancer, she has 
some of the attributes of a dancer. Right. She was convincing enough to be construed as a dancer. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love the... Um, I mean, just this whole first verse. She almost slipped right through my fingers. It was snowing outside and in her soul. <laughs> she almost slipped right through my fingers. It was snowing outside and in her soul. My first thought is, are those two things related? Is it you convince the pretty girl to go and get a cup of tea with you only by virtue of saying... Baby, it's cold outside. Why don't you stay and get warmed up? Yeah, right, 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 right. That's interesting. I never took it as like he convinced her to go have a cup of tea. I thought he was there having the tea mm. at the samovar, mm. at the bar, and she was there as well. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because convincing her, I, I don't think there's that much interaction with them is the thing. Oh, 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 interesting. Until later in the song, yeah. I just loved... It was snowing outside and in her soul. Yeah. She gave him the stink eye, the cold shoulder, of course. If he's a pervy Scott, like, coming in here attracted to a a Russian lady just because she's exotic, you know, like, I, I get it. And also, there's the cultural thing. You know, I think that w- what I have heard, I have not dated internationally myself, except... You married internationally. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I've heard that... I have heard a trope or a, a stereotype that women from Eastern Europe have a very hard front mm. in terms of interactions with, with men. Sure. Even if a Russian woman is having an amazing time on a date, what they're displaying is like completely icy uh, faced. Yeah. And that just leads to the ambiguity of this song. Is she dancer? Isn't she dancer? Is she into him? Isn't she into him? We don't know. And he doesn't know. Yeah. And it's confusing, but it's exciting. Yeah. It's a good note to think about because I all this whole time I've been interpreting it as like all of the advancements coming from him. She is just she's giving him horrified looks. He's clearly misinterpreting or or straight up manufacturing signals that aren't there. And and it results in her like not only ignoring him, but but really kind of rejecting him. But that that idea of her just play not necessarily playing hard to get you know but just keeping that facade straight really helps to open the interpretation well and it's interesting i tell me if i'm totally off base with this but my interpretation of this song had always been that as much as the singer was projecting a fantasy onto this interaction that was useful or exciting for him that the lady in question was also using this interaction as a chance to develop and live in her own fantasy for a moment. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that later on in the in the song, we get a little more from her. I mean, that's not that's not without merit. I mean, she she seems a little thrilled, you know, to have this this flirtation with him, and uh, she leans in close and says good night. That's all she said. The final line is, so I took myself off to bed. She leaned in close, good night, was all she said. So I took myself off to bed. He doesn't say I took myself off to my bed. Uh, you know? I, I, I fair, yeah. I think I would argue that it's fairly evident that he went to bed alone. but That he went to bed alone, yeah. But I'm referring to the whole concept of her being a dancer, her fantasy. Let's assume for a moment that, that she isn't, in fact, a dancer. Okay. My interpretation of this song was that Ian's listening to her or interest in her allows her to create a fantasy in which she is a dancer. He doesn't believe it outright. Oh, sure. Yeah, maybe you're a dancer. Maybe I'm the king of old Siam. Well, maybe you're a dancer. And maybe I'm the king of old Siam. That's an old... The old... The old name for Thailand. The old Portuguese name for Thailand, yeah. Yeah. But if your dream is good, why not share it when the nights are cold? But if your dream is good, why not share it when the nights are cold? So if her dream is to be a dancer, and in fact she is, you know, working at the, as he suggests, the agricultural plant... Huh. Oh, no, the agricultural plan. Oh, there's a velvet green for you. So if she is not, in fact, a dancer but wants to be, and she is part of this 
Soviet bloc, you know, everybody has a job to do and they have to do it whether they want to do it or not. It sounds a bit like capitalism, actually. But <laughs> if she's been forced into some kind of industrial life and what she dreams of is being a dancer, this is her opportunity to talk with somebody who doesn't know anything about her life. Yeah. And she can say, oh, yeah, I'm a dancer. I, I've done ballet. I've, I'm, I'm just here momentarily. I'm off with the Russian ballet performing this next week. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Tell me about it, babe. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm never going to see you again. Let's share this moment together. Let's take advantage of it. And we both get something. Out. We both get many things out of it. With her phrase book in her silk soft hand, she spoke in riddles while the vodka listened. With her phrase book in her silk soft hand, she spoke in riddles while the vodka listened. Oh, it's so poetic. It's so lovely poetic, this song. And just that that language barrier is so yeah gorgeous what a gorgeous concept the amount of work that would have to go into thinking up the idea translating it to get this facade this lie across this character that you want to be you really have to want this experience to be able to be looking everything up in this dictionary, you know? And because all of the concepts that you can convey are so reduced in their complexity, mm-hmm. right? even though the interaction is very slow, it has to be very direct. Yeah, right, yeah. The complexity of the phrases that you can use is reduced. And that's one thing that I have enjoyed about speaking, interacting with people whose language I don't, who's, you know, where you don't share a language. yeah is that a lot of the artifice of language falls away. Right. And especially if you're trying to flirt with somebody (laughs) where you don't fully understand each other's language, you know, A, there's a lot of room for misinterpretation. Mm -hmm. But B, if you're going to shoot your shot, you've got to be direct. You have to basically be like, I like you. (laughs) Yeah, there's no idiom. There's no... Not friend. There's no subtlety. Yeah. That's... It's very funny, yeah. You know, which leads to the line, let me look up love if I might be so bold. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's it's very, very good. Let me look up love if I might be so bold. Now, I have a slightly skewed interpretation here. Skew me up. So this is our... Actually, this is our second reference to Jack the Ripper in two songs. We had it in Jumpstart as well. I don't think there's, there's a correlation there. I think it's just coincidental. Oh, interesting. But he does say, she looked at me like I was Jack the Ripper. Obviously not someone you want to be viewed as. Jack the Ripper targeted prostitutes, didn't he? He did, yeah. Is this a subtle reference, or maybe not so subtle reference, that she's actually a prostitute and he's in a brothel? I, that is a fascinating interpretation, and I would, I think I, I love it, because I would never have picked up on that, but I would actually take it a couple, a 90 degrees further than that. Okay. So I stole one kiss. It was a near miss. She mm-hmm. looked at me like I was Jack the Ripper. She leaned in close, and goodnight was was all she said. So I stole one kiss, it was a near miss. She looked at me like I was Jack the Ripper. She leaned in close, goodnight was all she said. So I took myself off to bed. Maybe she thinks that he thinks that she's a prostitute, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. You just blew it, buddy. I'm not that kind of girl. I like that so much better than mine. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really good. It felt like a merry dance that I was being led. I mean, you know, there's the brilliant thing about this song is that there is nothing that you can hang your hat on in terms of the experience of the singer. There's no idea what's happening at any point during this song. Right. There's no truth anywhere. Yeah, he's, he's he's our first person narrator, but we only have what he's telling us. Right. To go on. And maybe she is into him. She's totally happy to sit up all night drinking tea and telling him about her dreams. And maybe if he had stuck with it, she would have let him kiss her. But in this case, it seems like he gets bored 
or tired of the back and forth with the with the dictionary and is like, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kiss her. Yeah, or maybe he misread the cues. Maybe he thought she was ready for the kiss, you know? And and it's it goes back to that interpretation of of trying to get your message across. And social signals and and, and social signals, signals, yeah. Physical signals and everything. Yeah. So maybe she looks at him like, oh my God, you have really misinterpreted what's going on here. Right. I am not a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, sir. Good night. I know that word. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing that leaves me a little like a little questioning at the very end mm-hmm. is she leaned in close and good night was all she said. Did she not want to make a scene? She could have just gotten up and left. That part seems so intimate. I think that there again is the cultural difference. I'm trying to think how to express this, but if you've been sharing an intimate evening with somebody, whether it is sexually intimate or whether it's just emotionally intimate or that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. proximity intimate, mm-hmm. if someone makes a misstep and you realize, you know what, I, I've got to extricate myself from this situation, you still have to be in the energy of that moment. So it's not like he's you know, pounced on her in, in public and she has to stab him. She doesn't she doesn't feel in danger. Okay, yeah, I, I pictured it as like a kind of a lunge of a kiss, but it could have been like a sweet thing. It could have been yeah. a, a soft, like, hey, we're sharing this moment. And she's like, hey, whoa, whoa, my, my boyfriend is, is upstairs. This is... <laughs> my boyfriend is the samovar. <laughs> I think that she is a graceful person. Yeah. And I think that she is gracefully getting out of the situation for whatever reason. And that it, it is that gracefulness that probably attracts the singer to her. And why there is at least the window of doubt that maybe she isn't not a dancer. She is a dancer of some kind. Whether it's a dancer of emotions or not. I don't know. I, I really want to keep the last two lines, the, that last couplet, open for interpretation. Uh-huh. She leaned in close, said goodnight, and I took myself off to bed. I went, I followed her to bed. He initiated and she, she accepted, but it's the Jack the Ripper that really cuts that off for me. I think also saying, I took myself off to bed, it's, it's reflexive. Yeah, you, don't, you can't take yourself to bed. That doesn't imply that you're taking someone with you. Yeah. It's the myself in there. Well, what I think is more likely is that he continued that fantasy and took himself off to bed to have a wank. I'm sure, yeah, he went to bed with himself, yeah. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about is that our first-person narrator here, our singer, is not just some schmo in a bar. He says, you've seen me in your magazines or maybe on state television. I'm your Pepsi-Cola. You've seen me in your magazines or maybe on state television. I am from the... I'm the real deal, yeah. I'm a rock star. Yeah, I'm from the modern, civilized worlds. Western world, yeah. Yeah. I'm more than just some dude. Maybe that is enough for me to get into your pants. Maybe that's enough for you to be attracted to me. Because you can hold me as this object, your, your Pepsi-Cola. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, I, that's a really good point and something that we haven't talked about. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe the angle for her is she knows that he's some kind of a famous rich man mm-hmm. and she's trying to take advantage of that somehow. I mean, that that's the thing. There's nothing that you can say certain about this interaction. I know, because it falls apart in the next verse. Yeah, and the only thing that I take from it that is certain in any sense is that both of them were getting something out of it but both of the things that each of them was getting out of it was some was basically a fantasy that they are sharing this fantasy together yeah and and that it's nice for both of them even though it's completely mismatched somehow yeah it's nice while it lasts i also before we exit the song i i have to point out one of my very favorite lines anywhere in Jethro Tull. Hey, Moscow, what's your name? If you don't want to say, don't worry. 
it would probably be hard for me to make it scan. <laughs> hey, Moscow, what's your name? If you don't want to say, don't worry. It would probably be hard for me to make it scan. I think that that is the funniest verse maybe anywhere in Tall. It's so self-aware. It really works to the the idea that he is some sort of celebrity, whether this is Ian Anderson or some other mythical singer, you know, some other legendary singer that he is he is speaking the words for. Like it re- it fits there. It really works. And it's both literal and meta. Like, yeah, if I were to write a song about this, which I do because I'm a rock star, it'd be hard for me to write, make it scan. But also in this moment that I'm singing this story, it'd be hard for me to actually say what your name is because I, 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 I'd have a hard time putting it in. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get some red yarn and tie it all together. It's, but yeah, that's great. That's, that's a really good, good note there. I love it. That's very funny. Nick, anything else regarding she said she was a dancer? That's it for me. Anything else for you? Just that you know, the Moscow Ballet was and is considered one of the most you know, the biggest, most important, most significant high-level ballet dance institutions in the world. Yeah. Pretty gosh darn famous, yeah. And during this time when we are seeing the leader of Russia making some very poor choices, it is worth Mm -hmm. remembering that Russia is a country that also has a long and important and valuable cultural history and contribution to the world and that and that while a certain person is being an idiot uh, and costing lots and lots of lives that that is not necessarily the desire of or the belief system of every person in russia yeah let's remember that all of our curtains are velvet so i stole one kiss it was a nimbus she looked at me like I was Jack the Ripper. She leaned in close. Good night was all she said. So I took myself off to bed. Oh, man, next week, we, we referred to this earlier in the show, but do you remember what we're doing next week? Which song will wrap up the end of side A on this album? Leash me to a stake. I believe it is Dogs in Midwinter. That... It is. That it is. So until next week, don't bother to share your good dream when the nights are cold. Just get yourself a Talk Tall to Me branded blanket or sweatshirt. Mm, mm-hmm. You can get yourself those and so much more at the Tee Public link waiting eagerly for you in the show notes. You may not be the king of old Siam, but I bet that you could afford enough time to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Share the golden wealth with us, and it will help lift us up. And you too can speak in riddles while not only the vodka, but other tall skulls listen. <laughs> That's right. In our Discord server, you can talk to other like-minded folks, as well as get access to two additional monthly podcasts. Until next week, I am your frozen little senorita, Omen Thomas Said. She said she was a dancer, but all I am is Nick McGill. We are your Pepsi-Cola. Please take us out of the can, the feckless moms. And you can find us huddled around the samovar for warmth. Talk tell to me. I will have uh, two potato vodka for just for me, please. Excuse me, is this is this chair taken, comrade? No, no, please. It uh, it is uh, it is not so close to the samovar. You won't be as warm as I am, but you are welcome to take it. It is free, unlike the hearts of the capitalist pigs on whose uh, brains we step every day. No, comrade. No, very much so. Very much so. Ah, here is the vodka. A private bartender. Uh, to your health. To my health. Your friend. To my friend. Your to health. everyone's health. Do you, you... Pardon me for asking. You do. You look familiar to me. I've, have, oh? have I seen you perhaps in a factory? Not that I work in a factory. 
mind you. Oh, but I was no, considering yet. buying the factory because I am so rich. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, no, no, yet uh, I don't work in factory. Uh, not that there is anything wrong with working in factory, but you see, I am in fact I, uh, I, I am a famous sculptor. Yes, uh, I, I, I am so famous sculptor because I sculpted the, the beautiful statues out of marble and stone, and my work is everywhere in Mother Russia. Yes. You you say you do not also work at factory because it's funny. I thought your face and your nose looked something familiar to me. Perhaps uh, perhaps you've seen me in in newspaper or or on television. Perhaps you have modeled your statues after me because I am I'm famous famous rock star who make it to America. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Yes. Very very uh very strong comment. Da. Of, da, I represent uh, the mother country. I bring our, our notions and our morals over to them. They love it. Ah, yes. So you are not, uh, you are not nut and bolt polisher in third row of bolt factory down on Yitzbrick Road uh, next to the toilet. Correct. That I, I've, I've never seen that in my life, and I would never, therefore I would never have seen someone who looks like you in the fifth row, two seats in to the right. I am so glad that neither of us, comrade, have to work in Bolton Nut Factory, where we, all of our dreams go to die along the metal shavings on the floor. I am so happy that we are amongst the stellar high echelon of glorious Russian society, where we can drink Whatever vodka we want to drink, even if we choose to drink this very jerry cheap vodka with the screw on cap that don't go back on the bottle once he's Right, it is all made of lead and uh, we will very surely die, but we choose that because we can. Normally, I would be eating caviar and drinking French champagne uh, in the Red Square marketplace with very rich friend, but I am uh, here at at impoverished bar doing uh, research for my upcoming sculpture, The Glory of the Working Man. Ah, da, da, you will represent our people very well, very well. Yes, and, uh, and, well, oh, I'm only eating this raw cold potato from the street because it's uh, poetic-like. Right, you have to know the man that you are capturing in your marble so you get to, to feel and, and know how he creates and, and acts. I give you this slice of raw potato. That is very kind of you. This is not the first thing I've had to eat in a week. That would that would no. be absurd. No, and I and I see from the holes in your sweater and the the threadbare nature of your coat that you are fashion icon. You model the the Balenciaga every day. It, it is very true that I'm encompassing the American punk movement in, in the clothing that I wear. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, oh, Dvochka, can we have more vodkas, please? We put it on my credit. Oh, the Dvochka is so beauty. Mm, very, very. Look at how she moves. Because I am very rich, I could make her my wife if I want. But, but you do not want to. But I do not want because maybe there is more beautiful Dvochka somewhere. She is, she is just a bartender. Yes, not not a, not an upper crust socialite uh, rich uh, daughter of oligarch like I deserve because of my high station in life. Exactly, just so. Oh, oh, she she waits. She says she has something to say, I think. Oh, Dvochka, speak Please. to us with your mouth. Like the cherries of the cherry orchard of Chekhov. Please give us give us your sultry tones. Поговори со мной, гордый член беспомощной аудиосети мамочек. Oh, she makes the ice in my heart to melt one degree Celsius. 